So today, whether you are tuning in uh, as Stan across the street right over there, or if you're on the other side of the United States or wherever you are tuning in over the internet today, uh, you are the church, and I greet you in the strong name of Jesus. And I am uh, very glad that you get to uh, join us today as we continue our deep dive series through Lent. Um, I am Pastor Zach Bardsley, and um, it is always a privilege to be able to share the word with you and to uh, look at what God has to show us. Um, I wanted to get you just a step ahead. So today we will be reading from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. And a little bit later on, uh, we will be in John chapter 11. Um, but now, if you could uh, turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. Um, I believe since God is king, he gets to speak first. And so we are going to go straight into the word. So hear the word of the Lord from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy. Over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. 
I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Now, before we go on today um, and before any exposition happens, I believe the passage stands on its own in a very beautiful way. Um, Maybe today your bones feel dried up or hope is far off, or maybe you feel indeed cut off. And so I'd like to pray this prayer before we continue. Dear Lord, to those who are anxious, for those who feel empty and dry, for those who are losing hope in this time in our land, when we are cut off in a peculiar way, open your eyes all the more, or open our eyes all the more to your will so that your way is clear to us and we can walk anew. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to explore for just a few moments Ezekiel 37 and look at a wonder that God unveiled to the prophet. These passages today are going to aim us also at Easter in a significant way and offer a potent remedy. In fact, the one remedy uh, to these anxieties that you may be feeling in this season. So let's take a look. Uh, At the beginning of the passage, God shows Ezekiel the valley, and it is full of dry bones. And he says, son of man, can these bones live? And his command to the prophet is to do something, to act and say, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is asking Ezekiel to act out in trust and obedience before he sees anything happen. Then after Ezekiel trusts in God for this strange act, God illustrates who he is. God is the one that knit you in your mother's womb and his knitting skill does not diminish no matter how stale the material is. And he, excuse me, looks to Ezekiel and says, you speak it, but it is through God's power that he is speaking these things. Ezekiel has absolutely no superpowers whatsoever, any more than your knitting needles are able to knit on their own without your hands. Um, For everybody that is slightly younger than me, a knitting needle, you have two of them and you put them together and then there's yarn and you you do this motion. I used to be able to do it. There will be an app for it someday, Um, but uh, it's a thing. Uh, It's probably a, a... Not the best illustration, but um, but after all of this, Ezekiel trusts God for this strange act and God illustrates who he is. God is the one that brought these bones rattling to come together. And by the power of God, even flesh is restored, but there seems to be no life in these bones. And so he brings life to these bones in a thing that is, is called here the breath. And God tells Ezekiel to address this breath and it fills the lungs of these dead and they live again. In both of these stages, God reveals his two favorite things, by the way. There are two things in all of scripture that are God breathed, his word and his people. These are the things that God breathed into. All scripture is God breathed, is in uh, 2 Timothy, and God breathed into Adam's nostrils and gave him life in Genesis chapter two. You may notice that God's word and people 
are the only things also that are designed to be eternal that we can currently observe on the earth. So God is using his two favorite ingredients to show his power. But right here with the prophet Ezekiel, God is not just going to do a great work or give Ezekiel a prophetic message um, that he's preparing to redeem Israel. He's not only creating a metaphor for how Jesus will come and raise everyone from their graves, although that is critical. But in simple terms, God is showing his power through these two incredible ingredients that he is in charge of everything. In verse 11, God helps explain the mystery. Ezekiel witnesses these dry bones at the command of the word of the Lord. They come together and life is being restored and filled with God's breath, the divine spark. And God explains to Ezekiel that this and his time was Israel. And they were bringing their wounds to God. Our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We are cut off. And God promises he will open their graves. Verse 13 will plunge us towards Lent and Easter because he says, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you. And you shall know that I am the Lord. What an amazing passage. I would like to share another passage today that will hopefully impact your time in Lent and touch your spirit, brothers and sisters, who may feel cut off right now. So if you would, join me in John chapter 11. Um, I'm going to read verses 17 through 27, and we're going to see the full mystery that was presented to Ezekiel, uh, illustrated to us here through, uh, through Christ. It says this in John chapter 17, or excuse me, John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. Do you hear the trust language in this passage? Here here in just a second, we're going to move ahead to um, verse 38 uh, and read uh, 38 through 44. But I want you to listen in this section for a peculiar obedience. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laying across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. 
Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, said to them, unbind him and let him go. Look at these quotes. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? After this, by the way, it spurs more of the plot to kill Jesus. People witness this and they feel a little more prompted to take Jesus out of their equation. And so this will march forward toward Easter. Ezekiel chapter 37 says, and you shall know. And here it is. Here is the Christ. Even before his tomb was empty, he proved through this resurrection of Lazarus that he was the one true God. That his words, Lazarus come out, were marked with authority and the breath of life answers to his sovereignty. That every last pain and fear, sense of dryness, cut off nature of reality, even the presence of death is completely and utterly superseded by Jesus. He is the word made flesh, the two ingredients as one example of God. The story is the full economy of the very same God of the Old Testament that raised the valley of dry bones before Ezekiel. When Lazarus was cut off, Christ says, come out. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are cut off by something as small as quarantine or as heavy as persecution, the God that even the grave obeys will someday soon say, come out. So in this incredible passage, Jesus stands in front of a tomb, deeply caring about its contents, and not only brings his friend back to life, but proves he is who he said he was and drives into the ground. I am that God, the one God. I knew Ezekiel. I am Israel's restoration. I supersede death. So how do we respond to this information? How do we set our eyes on this unchanging, life-giving, promise-keeping God? You know, Pastor Zach, I'm cut off. Give me the punchline. What are the practicals? How, how do I do this thing? What, what's the answer? Are you ready? It's a one-point sermon today. Trust. You trust. Your practical, your punchline, the, the answer is trust. Trust him. He is who he said he is. And who he said he is, 
has been proven to be a way maker and a miracle worker and a promise keeper. Trust and you shall know. But Pastor Zach, what do I do? You're just saying trust. How do I actually trust? And, and I, I'm with you. I am a flawed clay creature in this way. That I want an answer. I want a practice. I want a thing that I can do. But that's, that's folk magic. I don't, I don't want to give you, uh, you know, say this many things this many times and pray X amount of times a day. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell you the magic formula to really truly trust but get this, as, as much as I want to be like that, I want to be the magician that solves all of this pain for you and, and makes this Lent the most uh, profitable spiritual time for you. As much as I want to be like Ezekiel <laughs> in this, I, just like you, am the bones. I am the bones that had to perform no special task in order for my restoration. God says to Ezekiel, and you shall know, wait, trust me, and you will see. I am who I said I am. As we move towards Easter, we see Jesus. I will, he says this in, in his language. I will restore the temple in three days, referring to his own body. Wait, trust me, walk in obedience, and you shall know. I said that part a second ago because I want to clarify some practices for you, but I don't want you to think they are the magic formula for you to be set right with God and to trust appropriately and to follow him. I share this part to show you what trust looks like, what peculiar obedience looks like. And the breadcrumbs of this have been found all over our deep dive series over the course of the Lenten season. Pastor Christian walked us through an exercise at the beginning of the series where we placed our hand in front of our face to visualize our hand as our circumstances, temptations, and trials. And he asked us to peer between the spread fingers of our circumstances and look for the cross. But what does Lent do but take these circumstances and with them right in front of our faces. Challenge us to look at the cross and then begin to take those circumstances, those trials, and move them closer and closer to that cross. The more we take those circumstances, those issues, those trials, not just peering at the cross between our fingers, but the more we trust and the more we take that blockage and the closer we move it to the cross, how much more of the cross do you think I can see? And the closer my circumstances and my trials, my burdens and my sins, the closer they get to the cross and the more I entrust them to him the more of the cross is exposed. And, and we, we do this all through Lent, all the way up to, to Good Friday, where we leave these things right here for them to die at the feet of the one who is the bone mender and, and the pain ender and, and he who has absolutely crushed them and, and submitted them to the grave that he rescued us from. 
This is what trust looks like. The closer and closer my temptation and circumstance and trials get to the cross. And the more I trust these things to God, the more cross I will see. And speaking of practical trust, how grateful can we be that Pastor Lenny walked us through reflections on worship just a week ago? to help us understand that as a body of believers, we need to remove the distractions of our worship with preferences so that we can fully worship. An ancient Greek word for worship was proskineo, which is where we get the modern word prostration. Literally translated, to fall on the ground with the forehead as an expression of reverence. Even the modern Greek word latria is the cognate of the word lateral, to lay down. And when you truly worship without being fettered by your preferences, with no need to look up and make sure that things are in your order, your worship becomes more and more pure and you walk in trust. Take that image with, with my head down, and I'm going to try to stay on camera here. <laughs> but with my head down, my eyes are not just diverted from distraction. My eyes are not just looking for my preferences while I worship. But I've, I've approached worship giving full authority to God. And with my head down, it's as if I'm saying, have your way. Trust. I trust. He could smite you or clothe you with your head down and with you dropping your guard in humble adoration so that his way can prevail in you solely for his glory. This is worship. And it is the very picture of trust. So church, trust our God. Worship him trusting that whatever he is up to is good. Trust your sins and your burdens and your trials and your pain and your circumstances and your distractions to him because he loves you. You are not too far gone, even if you feel like a dry bag of bones. You do not have to make promises for him. He will always deliver perfectly according to his will. And that will is so trustworthy. So in conclusion today, church, brothers and sisters, trust our God. He is exactly who he said he is. And you shall know. I'd like to close with a psalm and then we'll invite some of our other staff up to share with you for just a moment. But it says this in Psalm 28, verse seven. The Lord 
is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song, I give thanks to him. Would you trust him with everything today?